am I my brother's keeper? It's a phrase that comes from Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? It's a question that's been asked for thousands of years already. It's a question that some people have answered easily and others have said, I don't know. I mean, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be responsible for everything my brother does? We're looking at a story of a dark moment in history where sibling rivalry met its max capacity of frustration. And here, Cain took out Abel out of jealousy because his offering was received and Cain's was not. And so we asked the simple question, am I my brother's keeper? Well, I wanted to kind of look at this situation for just only a moment because today's message is entitled, I am your keeper. Maybe there was, a, in your mindset, there was a question whether or not uh, that's true. The, the reality is that there is an answer to the question, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Emphatically, yes. You are your brother's keeper. The biggest problem that people have with this question or this thought is where do I fit in my brother's life? In other words, how much am I supposed to be in their business? Right? I mean, how much am I really responsible for? Does that mean then that my brother is not responsible for his own actions? I think, by and large, most people would probably agree that everyone is responsible for their own actions, right? But I also believe equally that we are responsible to care for one another. And by care, I mean to live in a care environment. In other words, be a person that matters to the people that matter in your life. Be a voice. Be someone that brings people together instead of tearing them apart. The topic of unity is kind of where I'm going here this morning because it questions our degree of responsibility sometimes when we ask, am I my brother's keeper? Like, to how... How much am I supposed to be involved in my brother's life, in my sister's life? As we read through the pages of scripture, we begin to discover that there is a responsibility that we're entrusted with. I am your keeper. I am your keeper. As your pastor, I am your keeper. As a brother, I am your keeper. You as my sister, you are my keeper. And we are supposed to keep each other accountable. But there's a problem. In American Christianity today, I have privatized my faith. I've made my faith my issue. Let me not, that's two things you don't talk about when you're around family, right? Let's just be open. Politics and religion. Because everybody has very strong views on both of those. Well, I'm going to go ahead and hit both this morning. Why not just go bold and knock everything down? Here on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, but in the recent months, I haven't really addressed this issue much. 
But the issue has to do with unity. And I'm not addressing this issue because it's an issue. It's one of the issues that the church always has to deal with. It's about coming together instead of tearing apart. See, Christ is about bringing people together than tearing them apart. But he also made it very clear that I come and I bring the sword. What is he talking about there? What he wants to say is, I want to, clear, I want to make sure there's a clear line between this and that. Between them, those that don't see the things of God, and those that desire the things of God. And so Jesus makes it very clear that we are each other's keeper. Jesus used examples like this. If you clothe anyone who is naked, if you visited anyone in prison, or even just give a cup of cold water in my name, it would be like it's done to me. That's how he addressed, am I my brother's keeper? The love your neighbor commandment, probably a pretty big one, right? What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is very important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hinges on those two, right? He made it very clear. The story of the good Samaritan shows about who is our keeper. I'm supposed to care about everyone that God cares about. Let me make it clear. I'm supposed to care about everyone God cares about. That doesn't mean I have to like everybody. Hello? You ever love somebody but care? Not like you could care less if you like them at all. You can do that. It's possible. It's, you got to be careful with that one though, right? Some of you are looking at me like, you can do that? And some of you are like, yeah, I've done that. I live there, Pastor Tony. Welcome to my life. There's a lot of people I love that I just can't stand more than three and a half minutes around. From the, from the greatest commandment, the love your neighbor commandment, to the good Samaritan, all of these infer that in many ways, I am your keeper. In a culture that breeds and exudes independence, Everybody wants to be independent. They're so soaked in self and so self-absorbed in their own perceptions and realities that we tend not to want to keep watch. We don't want nobody watch over our business, much less be in charge of somebody else's business. But I'm here to tell you, we are responsible for each other's business. That's what the family of God is about. Can I, can I keep it real this morning with you? In the beginning of this new year, God wants us to be more unified this year than we've ever been, ever. As a body, as a people, as Christians. No matter what church you're from, no matter where you're at, guess what? How many churches do you think are there in, in, this, in this valley? Take a wild guess. Anybody? No? Maybe not more than 20? Is it less than 20? Is it more than 20? One. There's one church. The church of Jesus Christ is solo. There's one church. We want to go ahead and say, there's, well, there's 14 churches of this denomination and 57 churches of this denomination. Oh, there's that one church that, you know, a little questionable. And so there's this church and then there's that church. Guess what? There's one church. One body. One spirit. One Lord. We just... 
are cut differently. We live in different places. But there's one church. So hear me when I say this. I am your keeper. You are my keeper. We are to keep each other. It's important that we understand that it's, it's good to look at scripture and see. And I want to dive into here this morning. One of our passages is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Turn there, would you? Ephesians chapter 4. So as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, it's crystal clear that God is calling us to be in unity. Because here's what it says. And we have it up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Here's what it says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in what? In love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know what's interesting? One of the funniest movies I ever watched with my kids is called The Lego Movie. And uh, I watched this movie and I laughed so hard. Because the enemy of Legos is glue. You think about it, it stunts everything. The whole idea of Legos is to be able to build something, tear it down, and then build it again, right? And so, what I think about, when I think about uh, the bond of peace, that's what kind of came to my mind, is that when we ourselves... Um, when we live in peace with one another, I may not agree with everything you, 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 you stand for. I may not have a po- same political view. I may not have the same you know, uh, upbringing. I may have the same situation. There's a lot of things that may be different between you and I. But if we could have peace, we could still be unified. Because you're civil. You're understanding that, hey, not everyone's going to believe like you. The problem lies is when people say... Listen, there's my way and then there's the wrong way. What he's saying here is there's a bond that keeps us together, even if we're different. Right? Because you can put a yellow Lego piece with a red Lego piece and a black Lego piece and a whatever Lego piece you want to put. And you can create all kinds of wonderful things with it, right? What I realize is that that's what peace does. Peace keeps things together, even if we're different. Even if there's a difference between us. How many know that that's... That's what keeps us together, the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. How many churches are there? How many churches are there? How many hopes are there? How many lords are there? How many faiths? How many baptisms? How many gods? One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. The Bible screams unity to us. There's so much that has taken place in history that makes this weekend important. Make every effort to live in unity. And let's talk about it for a few moments. Number one, being your brother's keeper may take you places you've never been. When you start caring for people, you go on a journey that you've never been before because people are messy. Their lives are messy. Anybody ever had a messy life? Raise your hand if you ever had a messy life. Some hands went up real fast. You know exactly who you are. Praise God for that. 
Some of you are not sure if you should raise your hand because you don't want anybody to realize that you're, you're human. Let me tell you something. Everyone in this room has had a messy point in life. See, back in 1945, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers recruited someone by the name of Jackie Robinson. When he recruited them to play for him, people that don't know much about baseball may not seem, may not, you know, seem as important. But back then it was very important because Jackie Robinson was a black man. A black man not allowed to play baseball with white men. The owner of the Dodgers told Robinson he intended to change baseball, break that racial barrier. But Robinson would have to expect to be mistreated, insulted, and endure potential death threats. And he would not be allowed to fight back or defend himself. Every town the Dodgers traveled to, when Robinson came out to bat, he had to dodge fastballs pitched at his head. When he played second base, runners would try to cut him at, with their spikes and they slid into the bases. The crowds would boo him, insult him, call him all kinds of nasty things. In a game played in Boston during the second year with the Dodgers, the insults and taunts became so unbearable that there was uh, at one point the shortstop, a white southern boy named Pee Wee Reese, came and he walked over to Robinson while they were on the field and he put his arm around him. In that simple gesture, Pee Wee Reese was telling the crowd, this is my friend, this is my teammate, and I stand with him. From that point, the crowd settled down and backed off a bit. This powerful gesture is commemorated that moment where Pee Wee Reese walked alongside Jackie Robinson. That moment in history is etched for all to remember. You know what he said to the world? I am his keeper. It matters to me what he is going through. It affects me what he's going through. What bothers me is that it's 2018 and still this sort of thing has to happen for some people. I want to make this crystal clear. That as a church, not just us, but as a church, we haven't talked about this enough. We haven't talked about the racial barriers. But some have said that Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week. We shop. We work. We go to school and we do all these different things with all different kinds of people. But yet there's still this church and that church that's dominantly this and dominantly that and this, that and the other. And Sunday morning has been declared one of the most segregated days of the week. And it pains me to think that that's absolutely true because it is. Not here, not today, not now. The Bible is very clear that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 that we are to be eager to maintain unity and understand where everybody's role is in this. Why is it so hard for us to talk about such a hot topic? God is calling Christians to address all the issues that are before us. And God wants us to tell the world by how we treat each other that we stand together. Like Pee Wee Reese, I am my brother's keeper. You see, the world can be very harsh if you look differently, talk differently, think differently, or believe differently. Can I tell you something that rocked my world? This thought rocked my world. You are only as spiritual as the kindness you show to those you disagree with. You are only as spiritual as the kindness you show to those you disagree with. I don't care how long you've been to church. I don't care 
how many verses of the Bible you've memorized. It does not matter to me how many times you put money in the offering bags. If you cannot show kindness and love to people you disagree with. Because everything you've done at that point is all in vain. Hello? Got real quiet. But I ain't going to stop preaching. You're only as spiritual as the kindness you show to the people you disagree with. Doesn't matter how spiritual you are. When you start standing for what Christ stands for, a lot of this stuff is superficial. It's all surface. Church, we're deeper than that. We're deeper than this. Why is this still an issue in 2018? Why is this still a problem? I don't know what enters the mind and causes us to think that we can still be spiritual and yet still be racist and still be bigoted and still be differential, uh, have a differential treatment for one and the other. Listen, I hate the term that I'm colorblind. No, no, I'm not colorblind. I know exactly what color you are. I see color. I see everybody's color. It just doesn't affect me. I grew up in a culture that had everybody. And when I got into a culture that there was one, I'm going, what's going on? The church has to be the first to address this. That everyone is loved by God, no matter where they're from or where they're at. And that journey will take you places that you've never been when you start to realize that you are your brother's keeper. Everybody matters to me because everybody matters to God. Come on, somebody. Everybody matters. And so, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about people will often mistreat you and reject you because they don't like you because you're different. And let me make it very clear. That's not supposed to happen in the church. Ever. And I don't believe it happens here. But I also believe that we're human. I don't believe we're perfect. But I believe we're sure trying to love God, love people, change the world. We must love everyone that God brings our way. Whether it's at work, school, or otherwise. Everyone that God brings our way. Stop faking it like you're colorblind. You see color. Just acknowledge it and move on. For far too long, Sunday is the most segregated day of week. It ends. It has to end. And I love diversity. I love the changing of, of, of people and culture. And I think God does too. Because every tribe and nation will, will stand around his throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's a powerful gesture when we look at a statue like Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. I am your keeper. I am your keeper. Number two, being your brother's keeper brings unity. How do we promote unity? Number one, we are called to edify each other. According to Romans 14. We are to serve one another. This is how we bring unity. You want to know how we could be a better church? In 2018, our goal is to be a better church, right? How do we get better? How do we become more like Christ? Well, here's, here's a real 
quick synopsis, just five. I had more, but I want to just keep it simple here. We edify each other, according to Romans. We serve each other, according to Galatians 5. Not only that, we are hospitable to one another. Does that mean we bring Cinnabon on Sundays? Maybe. Maybe it's a little bit of that. But it's more than that. It's about having people over your home. You know what absolutely drives me bonkers as a pastor? Is when somebody tells me, and I'm going to be completely transparent. Can I be transparent? Can I be transparent? I just want to get an okay for everybody. Yeah? Can I be transparent? Can I be real? As a pastor, when someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I, I feel like I'm supposed to move on because I don't feel connected. Okay, fine. I understand connected. That's fine. That's not where the problem lies. Here's where the problem lies. When I, when I follow up with that, I'm so sorry to hear that, that you don't feel connected. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you asked anyone to come to your home? Have you went out to coffee and deliberately went out to coffee with someone that you've connected with? Or, that's got to be at least one. Have you tried to, to do something? Have you... Oh, no. H- have you... Okay, so... Th- no, right? No. Okay. Have you, have you been invited places? Well, yeah, you know, sometimes... It's, okay. Those are, the, those are the checkpoints. How many know the church can't do it all for you? I will fail you. This leadership will fail you. We are human. We're trying very hard to connect everybody. And then I'll ask, that, did you try joining a small group? No, 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 no life groups. Did you, did you serve in ministry somewhere? Because when you become part of a team, something happens, right? When you become part of a team, you connect with people that you become friends with. And all of a sudden, you just, you call them up and you talk. Have you connected with them? No, I really didn't. So that's, that's my fault. That's the church's fault. That you're not connected. And somehow you're going to take that same perspective and bring it to another church. That doesn't help anybody. Wherever you go, you're still there. If everywhere you go is the same problem, there's one constant. You. The one constant is you. Now, I'm not pushing all the blame. We are trying as a church to connect everybody. But you got to, listen, I am your keeper. I am your keeper and you are mine. Your encouragement to me means a lot to me too. We are each other's keeper. But guess what? I'm not completely 100% responsible for your actions. You got to be able to do something too. That's what hospitable means. It means you care, you try, you go the extra mile. You bear each other's burdens. You bear each other's burdens. You have a prayer request. They bring it to you. You pray. Right there, right then. You know what? I'll pray for you. Doesn't always happen. I'm not going to even ask this. But don't even raise your hand because it's everyone. You said, I'll pray for you. And you never did. I've been there. And I stopped doing that many, um, some time ago. And I tried to right on the spot. Stop what I'm doing and say, can I pray for you now? Because I don't want to forget. This is very important to me as it is very important to you. Stop right there. Take 60, 90 seconds and pray for that person. I don't care where you are. Guess what? They have an outlawed prayer. You can do it on aisle 7 at Walmart. You can. You can do it in a checkout line. People may not like you. But it's like, anyway, it's like standing behind someone with coupons. It's okay. Right? Person got like 48 coupons. You're like, dude, seriously? This express lane. How do you got 48 coupons or 10 items or less? 
right? You ever been there? You're like, oh, dad, she's one of them. She pull out a big portfolio. And you're like, I just want milk. I just came to get milk. Right there, right then. Can I pray for you right now? That's bearing each other's burdens. You want to be a better church? You want to be a better Christian? You want to be your brother's keeper? Bear each other's burdens. Forgive one another. Oh, now you done did it, pastor. I was, I was with you. I was game one through four. Forgiving people? Now you done it. Now you done it. Now I didn't say forget what they did to you. That takes time and may never happen. But you don't want to let someone live rent free in your mind for the rest of your life. That's what that does. Unforgiveness lets people live rent-free in your mind for the rest of your life. What am I saying? I'm saying we promote unity. These things right here, they bring unity. These things right here, they cause us to be better, not bitter. We edify, we serve, we're hospitable, we bear each other's burdens, and we forgive. Those are just five. Just five. Third thing, being your brother's keeper reveals God's heart. Jesus said by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's the sign. Not by how big your Bible is. You ever met somebody that brought a Bible that was bigger than the pew they were sitting on? They come to church. Let's get the word in. I got my Bible. And they open it. You know it's a big Bible when they need two hands to open it. No matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter those things. You know what matters? What matters is that you love each other. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And and in him there is no cause for stumbling. 1 John 4.20 If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Love is key. You see Christians... We're supposed to represent this God that loves people. And yet, we can't even show love to one another that have a like faith. Someone once said the church is something like Noah's Ark. If it weren't for the storm outside, you couldn't stand the smell inside. May it never be said that we're the reason why people have not stayed in the church. Christians can be the barrier that keeps people away. How we treat one another, people see it. Friends, look at me. People see it. Misrepresentation leads the world to say, if these people, if these are God's people, and that's how they treat each other, I don't want their God. If these are God's people, and that's how they treat each other, I don't want anything to do with that God. That is sad. And so God commands us to be eager to maintain the unity. Well, how can I do that? Listen, you got to be the trendsetter. You can't be so busy... Being like the world and still trying to change it. For instance, there's a thermometer and there's a thermostat. Very different pieces of equipment that are still in the same family. One reads the room, the other one changes it. If you would follow me for a moment, our thermostat for the room here is on this wall right here. This doesn't just read the room. The primary job here is for it to change the room. If it's too cold, its job is to make it warmer. If it's too warm, its job 
is to make it cooler. Our job as believers is not to reflect our culture, is not to be a response to our culture. Our job is to change our culture. We have not been called to read the culture. We have been called to change it. We've not been called to read the room. We've been called to change the room. Everywhere the wind goes. If the church is on fire, then I'm on fire. If the church is cold, then I'm cold. I'm not changing anybody. I'm not making a difference. Some people are okay with that. Why? Because it's just reactionary. They live their life in reaction. You follow me? Who's with me? You reflect your environment as a thermometer. You're not making a difference. You're just responding to it. However, if we live our life like this, I am going to be the change that the world needs. I'm going to change my culture. I'm going to change my environment. Because while these are in the same family, they serve two very different purposes. And so you have to make a decision in your life. Am I going to be the person that brings unity? Or am I just going to react to everybody? If everybody's bitter and everybody's gossiping, then I'm going to do the same thing. But if somebody's gossiping and you see it, you know what a thermostat does? Can I just tell you? That's not, that's not godly and that's not biblical. And you can keep your brother that way. No, that's judging, Pastor Tony. I can't do that. No, then you are not your brother's keeper. Because if you know there's something wrong and you don't address it, you are not your brother's keeper. You are a thermometer. You are a standby. You are someone just there watching the play by play. Not giving it. And so we understand that God is calling people to be the right. The people that change the room, not just read it. Are you getting what I'm saying to you today? What God is telling us is we are not supposed to sit around waiting for other people to change the world. That we're supposed to be the change the world sees. To be the change that the world needs. He called us to get out of our seats and make a difference. There's one body, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you have one body, how many have one body? If you have more than one body, you got issues, seriously. Just, just, just saying. You have one body, right? You ever went to the doctor? It's like, you got, you know, you got to take care of yourself, right? You got to take care of yourself. Why? Because you have one body, right? You don't get to interchange it. You don't get to go on Amazon, order it, you know. Amazon probably get a new body two days. I'm on Prime, so I can get it in two days. You know, just you don't get a new one. You got one body to work with, right? Take care of it. You know, God says the same thing. I have one body. Take care of it. You're, you're part of the, the overall body. And if you're not healthy, it affects other people. And guess what helps the body? Unity. That doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. Look at me. It doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. It just means you have the bond of peace. I don't have to fight everybody because they don't, they don't agree with me. My way and the wrong way. Those two ways. There's one body. Years ago in the Special Olympics, it was held in Seattle, Washington. One of the races, there was a 100-yard dash where nine physically and mentally disabled young people gathered at the starting line. The gun went off and the nine began to run as best that they could. Right? People are watching them, cheering them on. You ever watch Special Olympics? I have an older sister who's Down syndrome. And, and I'm, I, it's been part of my life, my whole life. And 
in this particular 100-yard dash, they ran, they ran, and one boy stumbled to the asphalt, tumbled over a few times, and began to cry. The other eight stopped, heard the boy cry, stopped. One stopped and went back. They all followed. And you know what they did? They picked him up. And as they were picking him up, one girl reached over, gave him a kiss on the cheek, said, it's all going to be okay. Picked him up, and they walked together the rest of the race. It's a little close to home because I've seen it my whole life. My sister is an amazing person. She cares so deeply. And it's pure. It's a pure love. Unfiltered. Unabridged. Untainted. And a moment like that helps us to understand the purity that love and unity is when it's done for the looking out of the other individual. We can learn something today. Because society looks down on those that are disabled. We can learn something there. And something like this brings us to a place where we ask ourselves, am I as pure as I, is my Christianity as pure as that? Because we look down at that, right? We look down at people that are, you know, they don't understand or they don't. They're human flesh and blood, just like you and me. But they have something that we don't. And there's a pure sense that comes with that. God is looking for that. And he's looking. That's how come when, when the disciples, they didn't under, the disciples didn't understand when the kids were running to Jesus. And they were like, stop, stop, stop. There's too much, too much. He said, don't, 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 don't. Let them come to me. Let them come. Why? Because there's a purity there. They mean what they say and they say what they mean. Right? We can learn from that. Church, we are only going to be as spiritual as the people we care about. Even if they differ from us in belief, political, socio, economic, whatever the background is, there's a purity there that has to happen in the body of Christ. And for them to stop their race that they've been training for, to pick up their, their, their neighbor. I am your keeper. Stop. When someone addresses something in your life, don't get all upset. They're just picking you up for the race. And understand, we are to pick each other up and love each other. No strings attached. Can you bow your heads with me? Father God, we so grateful today that what those children did that day is what you've called us to do. God, you called us to love each other so much. That when one of us stumbles and falls, we all turn back to help. God, I pray that we would link arms and walk together toward the kingdom and your purposes. God, I pray unity would be created 
to protect your body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. One of the things that I made very clear here today, or at least I tried. Do I have to abandon the truths that I cherish in order to keep unity? Emphatically, no. You don't. But it does mean that we look long and hard at the attitude we carry. Unity doesn't begin in examining others, but in examining self. Unity begins not in demanding that others change. No. But in admitting that we aren't perfect ourselves. Unity grows as we learn to accept others' differences and forgive when we've been wronged. Unity continues as we humbly serve those who are different and those who are the same in the same manner. Unity is fulfilled as focus as we focus on the who we believe in rather than what we believe. Sometimes it's about who we believe in that is our common denominator. Unity is favored as we long to love and bring the message of Jesus Christ to a divided world. Church, if the world doesn't see us unified, there's nobody else. There's no plan B. You realize that? Because Christians struggle and we have the almighty God on our side. There's no other organization on planet earth that can bring humanity together like the church. So in that, can I ask you to do something in 2018? The year of transformation, right? Live in unity. Do your best to connect. In March, we'll be launching our life groups again. Can I ask you to go beyond yourself? Join a group. Be a part of something. It's only like 10, 12 weeks at the max. You can do that for 10, 12 weeks. You will be better for it. Not only that, there's opportunities to do ministry. And I trust that in those opportunities to serve, you will find unity among people. And one more thing before we close. When we live in unity, it shows the love of God to the rest of the world. Not just in these four walls, but the rest of the world sees that there is a God and he's very real and he loves you. Amen. Father, thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. We ask you to bring us to unity and allow us to see that yes, there is a difference between all of us. Absolutely. But not in your eyes. You love us all the same. Pray your grace, your forgiveness, and that we would be our brother's keeper. In Jesus' name.